I'd like to now introduce you to my good friend, Sally Lieber. Sally is the former Assemblywoman for the state of California. Come on up, Sally. And um, we have worked together on some anti-human trafficking initiatives and movements here in the Bay Area, but Sally's been a long veteran of that issue, as well as um, so many deeply important issues to the community. If you go on her website, you can see of all the legislation that she has introduced that we are all living in a better world because of this amazing woman. So thank you so much. She just continues with tremendous passion, and she just took herself and bought a ticket and went and worked on the island of Lesvos in Greece, working with the refugee population. And I've, as you know, Spark Community has been caring deeply about this issue and giving sacrificially and spending a lot of time teaching on the issue. So when I saw that Sally was there, I was like, oh, yes, let's talk. So um, we've been discussing, and she's going to share a little bit about her experience there with all of us. And then also tell you some of the things that she's been doing locally here that we can continue to partner with her on. And you already know a little bit about some of the drives we're going to start here at Spark for bath towels and additional needs here in the area. We sent all that to you as well as things that we're going to try to send um, Sally with as she goes on her next trip. And ultimately our prayer and hope is that some people from Spark as well as from Etz Chaim um, we'll have an interfaith Jewish Christian tour going to work together um, to meet the needs of refugees. So we're working on that as well. So Sally, thank you so much for being here. God bless you for everything and take as much time as you want to tell us all the amazing stuff that's been going on. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a dangerous thing to ask someone who's in politics to uh, take the microphone and take as long as you want. <laughs> We could be here for a few days, but it really is a pleasure to see you and to see Danielle here. Um, whenever I see Danielle, she's out fighting on the front lines in terms of human trafficking and poverty and many different issues, and this is really the first time I've seen you here in, in your work at Spark Church, and it is such a pleasure to be here. Um, as uh, Danielle said, I was recently on the island of Lesvos in Greece, and I really remember the moment when I decided to go there. And I'm not at all the kind of rough and ready person that jumps on a plane and goes to a natural disaster or a, a human-made disaster to try to pitch in in an immediate frontline kind of a way. But I remember the, the moment when I really decided to go and I was taking a little bit of a coffee break in the mid-morning and going through the newspapers online. And the one photograph that was completely inescapable from that day, and I'm sure that you've seen it, was the little three-year-old boy uh, who uh, washed up on the shores of Turkey and was wearing a, a red shirt and blue pants and was a little toddler boy in a very innocent position that would have looked so... Um, cute and lively were it not for those circumstances. Um, I decided that I really wanted to get involved as a tribute to him and to his family who was at that point um, unknown. Um, but about a week and a half later I found myself uh, on a flight um, from San Francisco to uh, Munich and then on to Athens and then uh, the next morning on to Lesvos. And um, I have a little rescue dog that I take everywhere with me who's just a little scruffy uh, gray dog. So she was on this 15-hour flight 
with me to Athens and then going on to the island of, of Lesbos. Um, so we showed up there and I think it was really on the flight um, into uh, Lesbos where the reality of the situation hit me. And the whole side of the island, about two-thirds of the island that faces onto Turkey, was fringed in orange life jackets. And as you come down to, to land at the airport there, you can see them in increasing clarity. And you realize that every single one of those orange life jackets represents a person, represents the hopes and dreams, represents the caring that their family has put into them uh, over time and how precious uh, they really are. Um, you know, Lesbos is a pretty small island. Uh, its population is just about 85,000. And during 2015 alone, they had over a million refugees who came through that island and, and went on to um, northern Europe. Now, my first job was to um, find, as, as daylight was failing and it was starting to get dark out, was to find the tiny village where I was staying. And I found that the darker and the more mountainous the roads got, the more my ability to read the Greek alphabet increased. <laughs> to the point that I was finally able to find the village. <laughs> and I, I had word that uh, you know my Airbnb was, uh, you're going to be staying with Nikki. And when I asked for an address, they said, well, everyone knows Nikki. <laughs> so I thought, OK, this is Greece. Um, uh, probably two-thirds of the people, both male and female, are called Nikki. <laughs> but I got to the village and there was, there was a man sitting at a table and the window was open on the side of his house and I said, Nikki? And he said, no, Nikki's right there in that house across the street. <laughs> so I finally got there and, um, you know, just fell asleep on the bed with all my clothes on still really had jet lag for my 15-hour flight. And as I was sleeping, I had a terrible dream in which I heard people screaming in the darkness. And I woke up from the dream. I think I was prompted to move, and I woke up from the dream, and the screaming didn't stop. And so I went out of my room, and it was lightly raining outside. It was probably about 1 or 1.30 in the morning. And I ran down in the direction of the beach. And just a couple blocks distance, short blocks, was a boat landing right there, right then. And that was my, my first boat. Now, they say that if you saw one of these boats come in, it would rank as one of the, the terrible sites of, of your life. And these are life rafts that should have about 12 to 14 people on them. They have 50 to 60 people standing. And they're often taking on water the entire time that they're coming across the Straits of the Aegean. So a trip that would cost 20 euros and take an hour and 15 minutes on a legitimate ferry is costing refugees that are trying to escape war, ISIS, ISIL, the Taliban, 1,000 to 2,000 euros and take up to nine hours. So most of the boats when they're landing are filled with people that are suffering from hypothermia. They're often hysterical. People are screaming. Um, they don't know what to do. These are not people who um, know how to swim at all and they've just survived a, a terrible sea passage. Um, 
I, I have found the, the crashes of the boats into the rocky areas uh, by night um, to be the most uh, unnerving and, and distressing. Very close to the village that I was in, there was a lighthouse with a green light revolving on the top of it to warn away people from landing in boats anywhere near there. The traffickers who are in Turkey put people onto these boats and have one of the refugees themselves captain the boat across. So this is a person who does not know that you shouldn't aim for the light. <laughs> okay? So many, many people do aim for the light and um, it can result in some, some really uh, terrible circumstances um, for them. Uh, luckily, there are amazingly compassionate volunteers from all over the world who have been responding not just to Lesvos, but to Hios, to all of the Greek islands, uh, to work with people and to try to save people. Um, I found that the niche that I really wanted to fulfill was working to provide clean, dry clothing um, and shoes for the refugees and driving uh, pregnant uh, elderly, child, infant, and injured refugees between camps so that they wouldn't have to walk um, great distances. Um, now the laundry. Wherever there's humans, there's going to be laundry, and a lot of it is going to be handled by women. Can we say that here? <laughs> so I met a woman there, um, and we formed this laundry service going along the beaches and picking up the usable, needed, wet clothing from the refugees, taking it to a commercial laundromat that's normally closed during the winter because it's not the tourist season, and having them uh, clean and sanitize it so that we could resupply it uh, to the camps. So you can find us on Facebook. We're called Dirty Girls of Lesvos Island. <laughs> and you have to make sure that you put of Lesvos Island on there. <laughs> Or you get something entirely different. Um, since starting this laundry service, we've uh, been able to uh, clean and resupply uh, thousands of much-needed articles of clothing in the sizes in the brands that the refugees who are coming are familiar with and actually wear. Um, we've also cleaned about 20,000 blankets that we're going to landfill but are now being uh, reused by Doctors Without Borders. Um, driving the refugees was something that I just sort of happened into, but it was something that became very meaningful to me. My first daytime hours there before discovering that the laundry needed to be done, um, I started just watching what was going on, and I saw how hard it was for UNHCR, United Nations uh, High Commissioner for Refugees staff, to evacuate people from the beach camps and get them up to the stage two camps. And so I had a pretty good size uh, rental car, so I just started lining up with the UNHCR vehicles and just uh, driving people. And it was really um, an amazing experience for me because I found how really, truly uh, thankful people can be for any small kindness when they're in uh, that situation. Um, people were very bewildered to find so many kind, hippie-ish volunteers waiting to receive them after they've walked a month from Syria to Turkey 
and been robbed and abused and ripped off the whole time and had to hide in forests uh, to connect with the traffickers and to get across. Um, all the volunteers, regardless of um, language, regardless of background, worked very seamlessly together and would really um, check in with each other at certain times of stress. I remember one day that um, was a day when the current was good, the winds were good, we knew that we were gonna get a lot of boats and the boats started coming at about 6.30 in the morning. And you have to picture yourself looking out at a, a beautiful blue ocean uh, with the gray hills of Turkey in the background and you start to be able to see a tiny dot on the horizon and it gets bigger and bigger and then you see that there's a splash of orange and then those forms of orange get larger and you see that each one is a person on this boat. On this day, we saw not one dot on the horizon but 10 and then more coming and coming and coming. Um, we stopped counting when we had uh, 50 boats um, coming in and landing and it was a day when there were a lot of uh, Taliban-related injuries, um, amputations, uh, very multifaceted individuals who had multifaceted um, needs that were coming. By the end of that day, um, I think that all of the volunteers were really bonded in trying to take care of each other because we were so exhausted so broken mentally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, that we really did need to, to graft on to each other. And the day ended at about 3.30 in the morning when people that came over on a boat said we were the last boat to leave. And at about 6.30 in the morning, the next day started, and that day we had 83 boats land. Um, so the support just absolutely needed to be there. Um, are there bad apples coming among the refugees? In any flow of a million people, there are gonna be some bad apples. I was just extraordinarily lucky and never encountered them. And I have to say that to me, uh, the greatest surprise was the behavior of the Muslim men <laughs> because, you know, I'm. Uh, I think a very typical American woman from the Midwest and you sort of are raised to think about Muslim men in, in capital letters. Um, and I found that they had such an amazing way of working together and supporting each other within the family, of supporting and nurturing children who are in this very extreme circumstances, of working together with the whole family to get everybody up the mountain safely. Um, many times I saw a man with his elderly mother on his back, one child in one arm, the backpack in the other arm, the wife next to him with her backpack on, and two children in her hands with their backpacks on. And the whole family was working together patiently, not with any meltdowns, not with any fights, to get everybody to uh, to safety together, and it was really um, amazing. I also saw that it's completely and totally impossible to give a Muslim man water, a jam sandwich, a knitted hat, a pair of shoes, a coat, 
anything unless you can convince them that every single woman and child has already been taken care of. And it doesn't just mean every single woman and child who's there at that moment. It means the ones that will come tomorrow and the next day and the next day. The men will go without anything before they take something that could go to a woman. And it was so emotional to me to be driving these, these cases where a person really couldn't walk um, up the mountain and to see, you know, many times I was driving, the, the entire road would be a sea of the young men who are being sent away from home for obvious reasons. And I would be driving along and I thought, boy, these thousand young men are going to want to ride. But every time I drove by them with the women and children in my car going up to the camp, they would cheer as we went past. So an amazing experience uh, of, uh, of the heart, just uh, life-changing, absolutely. And, you know, I really felt the, the words of the blessing that, that you gave and the, and the words of the, the songs that we hear, that we heard right before that. Um, and I think that they reflect very closely what I saw on Lesvos. There are obviously parallels to the Holocaust in Europe. For me, I saw that visually very closely. And, um, but it really brought up what I think, and I'm not an expert on Christianity by any means, <laughs> um, but as I understand it, Christianity is about the tenets of saying that I am you, and you are me. And that if we have something in life that we are to be passionate about, it's not things. It's a passionate commitment of all the facets of ourselves to service. And that the good life is one where we seek out the rejected. And I think sometimes the hardest part of that is we don't just mean the rejected in society. We mean the rejected in ourself. I'm, I guess I'm a politician, sort of. I'd love to be in public office. That's where, what I think about myself as doing. But maybe I'm supposed to be making jam sandwiches in the middle of a refugee camp because that's where I'm needed, and that's where I'm really, truly fulfilled. So I, I want to just, um, as, as I close, I, I'm going to be passing around three of the little shoes that I picked up. These, these are everywhere on the island of Lesvos and all the Greek islands. And... As we talk about who's coming, whether the refugees are coming from the Middle East, whether the refugees are coming from Central America, whether the refugees are coming from impoverished areas of the United States, whether it's the refugee in our heart that we deny, but God still sees through us and says, aha, there you are. <laughs> this is it. And... I'm sure that folks are familiar with the great Elie Wiesel, 
who said that when you come into contact with a witness, you become a witness. So I can't bring you the refugees here. They won't let them come. (laughs) They're stuck right now. But I can bring you something. This still has the sand in it. It still has the rocks in it. These took, these took two weeks to dry out after I picked them up on the beach. But this is real. This is who we're talking about. And I want to ask Danielle to start these around. And I want to really ask that you, give, that you give God's blessing to these the way that we give to the children who are here. Because these children are every bit as real. And I just want to, in closing, say that about a week and a half after I got back, I was sitting at the the Mayfield Bakery and Cafe in Palo Alto. You know, it's a really great place at a town and country village where a salad is $17. And I was sitting there having brunch, and I looked out the window, and there was a man walking across the parking lot, and he was carrying a toddler who was limp in his arms. And it clenched my heart, and I don't think I've ever moved as quickly to run across a parking lot, up and out of that booth, and running towards him. And about 10 feet away, I realized the baby's not wet. He's still breathing. This, this is Palo Alto. <laughs> this isn't Lesbos. But later that day, I realized that the beach is everywhere. That beach where we're looking out and we're waiting for boats because someone has to be on watch and someone must do it is everywhere. And I know that in the quiet moments, if you think about it with me, that you can feel what it feels like to step onto that rocky beach, to look out at the blue water that is so beautiful to us, but so perilous to these refugees, and to really deeply feel that when that boat comes, no matter who it is, we are going to be there to receive them because we are the people who have the generosity of spirit to do that. And even if we have to reinvent it every single day within ourselves, and that's part of the job, (laughs) is relighting the pilot light every single day, that we're going to do that. We're going to receive the boat, and it doesn't matter how broken the people are. And we're going to accept the absolutely broken parts of ourselves that we want to wish away, but we can't. Every single day, the boat is coming, and the beach is in our hearts. It's where we are. So thank you so much for for listening to what I have to present, and thank you for giving the things like the maternity pants that we so desperately need, the towels that the people that are homeless here in our own community need to have dignity, to feel human. Every time we make one of these human connections, 
We reach out and we pull the boat in close to ourselves. We don't run away. And I know that that's who you are, so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Thank you so much.